0: episode of the perfect podcast in today's episode i am joined by former number one junior golfer in the world and now an incredible collegiate player david ford david thanks for joining me this evening
1: yeah thank you for having me it's good to be back so some of you (laughs) longtime listeners
0: may remember david all the way back from season one you know uh we had a few guests that season but really david was our, our first big guest um And, you know, we kind of talked about junior golf and he had just won the the junior players and we overall had a great conversation. So once you're finished listening to this episode, if you want to go check it out in season one, uh, please do so. Uh, But, David, I'm sure lot's happened since then. You know, it's kind of crazy to believe it's a year and a half ago was when when we last recorded. You know, as far as junior golf goes, what happened from July of 2020 to uh, the end of your season last year?
1: Yeah. It's kind of a lot that happened. Um, I'm sure. I played. A period of time. Yeah. I played, let's see, some tournaments in October um, and was fortunate to win the Bobby Chapman. And then uh, played well at Rolex TOC, uh, the AJGA. And then um, played an amateur event in December and played all right. And then. Got back into it in February at the Jones Cup, I believe. And then got ninth there. And then got second at the AJGA Simplify Boys. Um, and then that was mid-February. February 14th, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, um, let see, February 26th, I got injured. Um, and then I was injured for... Uh, I didn't play golf. I didn't touch a club for three months. And then I was didn't touch a club for another month after that. Um, took another month break in between tournaments there. Um, and so it was basically a lot of resting, a lot mm-hmm. of trying to figure out what the heck is going on right now. Yeah. Um, And my summer or my spring and summer of 2021 was basically just – injured and lost and so many different doctors and nobody had any idea what's going on. And, um, but then I was fortunate enough to kind of figure it out and it was two bulging discs, two partially torn labrums, um, two SI joints that have pain and then four inflamed facet joints. And yeah, that's it. So it was a lot going on in my back. Um, and my hips and then yeah kind of just dealt with it and got my body healthier and I'm now I played tournaments over the summer obviously um less than I would have liked but um still got to play some and got to play all the tournaments in college so yeah it's been I'd say I've been pretty blessed to be able to play and I'm happy to be back
0: yeah I had a, I I wouldn't say a similar injury. Yours sounds a little bit more extensive than mine, but I had an injury. Actually, it was active last time uh, you were on the podcast where uh, I I had gotten an injury by playing golf and nobody could tell me who it was, what it was. I think I went to like seven different doctors. I had every single test you can imagine, like ultrasound, CT, MRI, x-ray. I mean, you, you couldn't, there's nothing else, you know, and they were just, they had no clue. Uh, and I ended up actually, the, the problem got resolved uh, with both a uh, a physical trainer and a, a chiropractor intervening. Uh, and it ended up just being a, a muscular issue with my psoas. Yeah. But it, it, injuries, you know, they, they suck. And especially for you with that timing. Uh, but they also, I for me, mine was also a, a really as much as it was a terrible thing, it was a good thing to happen because it allows you to step back and kind of take perspective of what's really going on. Was your experience similar to
1: that? Yeah, exactly. That's basically sums it up. Um, like I was basically on top of the world then. Um, like I was number one junior golfer in the country. Um, my, <coughs> my amateur ranking was as high as it had ever been. Um, I basically had everything that you could ever want in the golf world. Um, and then I got injured and it was like, like, okay, I'll probably be out three weeks max. Like, that'd be crazy if I was out a month. Like, Oh my God. yeah. And then here we are 11 months later. And I was, I mean, I'm still, I still have two partially torn labrums in my hips, but I was sitting there at us junior and I was like, I was joking about missing us junior two months into my injury. And, here I am at, at US Junior in July twenty twenty one, five months after I was injured. I'm like, am I gonna play? It's it was Yeah. It's crazy how, how everything could change. Um, but it was an experience that I'd never had anything close to it. Um and you don't really know how much you can go through um until you're actually in it. Um yeah. and that's kind of what I felt with that injury.
0: Yeah. And yeah. and that that those injuries, you know, they really they've got to teach uh, a level of not only perseverance, but uh, just kind of, you know, gratitude and thankfulness for, for golf. You know, when I know for me, even to this day, you know, going back in, especially when I'm playing bad, just to think, to think about where I was in the injury, where at that point, you know, you didn't, for me, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play golf again. You know, it really, it, it resets your mind.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I was definitely there. Like, am I going to play golf again? And it's kind of hard to to take in when I've had a lot of success and I'm back there. Like, like how is this possible? Um, but yeah, it definitely made me very thankful for everything that wasn't golf. Cause I was basically only thankful for anything that was golf.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's uh, something I think almost all golfers get into is, you know, yeah. just focusing solely on golf and Putting putting their life around it, which is a good thing, especially if you enjoy golf, you know, but it's also it can be a really detrimental thing, especially when the mental game comes into play, you know, with your emotions based on how you play that day or whatever golf has comes with that day, because golf yeah. is such a, um, a game that can change from day to day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't put your your life into a golf score.
0: Yep. Yeah. So. Moving away from the injury stuff, which uh, I'm glad to hear you've kind of resolved it uh, for the most part. And uh, I hope you continue to, it continues to heal well, Uh, but playing, you know, playing at the highest level of junior golf, which is what you've done for, you did for the last two, three, probably your entire junior career. You know, you played some really high level junior events what are some common characteristics you find at those really high junior events, you know, compared to who you see at, you know, kind of your normal junior events, you know, you're not your super elite
1: events. Um, I think the biggest thing in, in all golfers that, that are top 30 in the world, um, all juniors that are top 30 in the world is self-belief and, um, there's a kid at my course named Dalton Burtz, and I think he'd be okay with me using his name and using him as an example um, um, because it's a it's a good thing what I'm going to talk about. But he uh, he we take from the same coach, and he was always really really good physically, really athletic, good build, um, hit it a long ways for his age, um, but he never he never really put the scores together and had any success. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he we his coach and him started working on his confidence. Um, and that's basically all they worked on is did things to build confidence um, and build self-belief and positive self-talk. And he won an AJGA this summer um, and then got top 10 at the elite invitational. And I don't know what he's ranked, but he's a top 50 junior in the world, in my opinion. And um, for him to improve that quickly, it's like, it, it kind of happened with me too. It was like how, people ask me how did you improve so quickly how did you go from 120th in the world on in was it March 2019 to 12 in March 2020 and it was like simply self-belief like I kept doing the things that I was doing putting in the work that I wanted to and that I needed to um, and then I just started believing more Um, and it was I knew my game better and I believed in my game Um, you can't you can't put in the work for drills and not believe it. Um, that's not going to get you anywhere. You got to believe in what you're after, um, and believe in yourself really. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing I find. And I think junior golf, you can get by, you can get second place, top five in any, any event in the world. If you have talent and you believe in yourself, um, and then the hard work is what separates, I think the best, um, in, in amateur golf, but, um, yeah, I think self-belief, if you can believe in your golf game and gifts and talents that you have um, that are unique to you better than anybody else can, then you're not gonna lose many junior golf events.
0: Yeah. And it's it's such a, a simple ideology, but it, it really is so complicated to actually achieve, especially yeah. when, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, golf is such a day to day game with one day you could be hitting hitting it super well and the next day, you know, so-so. Um, and being able to maintain your confidence through that is really crucial. And I was able to, you know, really see some of that in this last season of mine. Um, yeah. H- how did you really go about, you know, kind of developing that confidence within yourself?
1: Um, I think it was a lot of positive self-talk. Um, so... It was, this was probably, I'm going to say February 2019. Um, Maybe it was summer 2019. I don't remember. But um, I was a good junior golfer. Um, I was probably ranked 100 in the world um, on, yeah, both rankings. Um, so I was a good junior golfer. And I went to my coach. I was like, how do I beat this guy? Um, his name was, um, he's a great player now. He was a great player back then too. Um, but mm-hmm. I was I beat this guy. Like I'm I'm working so much harder than him. But I'm not beating him. And and he he was like, Well, Bruce must be more confident than you. And I'm like that pissed me off. I was I was <laughs> not what I wanted to hear.
0: Yeah.
1: I wanted him to tell me to go practice for 13 hours instead of twelve. Um yeah. but it was A, he said, I guess he's more confident than you. And I was like, okay, how do I become more confident in my golf game? and not be looking around at everybody else's golf game to see what they do well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think the simplest thing is if you're on the putting green or on the range and you hit a bad shot or a good shot, you hit any shot, and you find one positive thing to say about that shot, no matter how bad it was, it could be a duff chip, and you find one positive thing to say. The positive thing could be, at least I stayed positive with that shot after I hit it. Um, mm-hmm. it, didn't, it didn't affect. And then as time goes on, um, it would happen for me. Um, and I'm, I'm obviously still working on it. Like I'm by no means perfect or even good at it by, by some people's standards. But um, eventually if you can get to the point where no bad shot can ever alter your confidence ever, if you miss a two footer, a one footer, like if you can get to the point where you say I don't care, like that's not going to change the fact that I'm a good putter or that I'm a good ball striker, then it's it's true confidence um, and it's it's true self belief. So I think the more you can tell yourself positive things on every shot, um, the more you'll start to see those positive things.
0: Yeah, that's that's some powerful stuff. Regardless of if you're a junior golfer. 45 trying to play in the usam i mean that that's some some crazy stuff uh i had dr brett mccabe on the podcast last year i'm not sure if you're aware of who he is or not
1: uh, is he a mental he,
0: he's a he's a sports psychologist and you know one of the things he really talked about is you know it's okay to be frustrated with a shot but you cannot let it affect your overall confidence and um concentration a, yeah, be, because you, you really can't control frustration within a shot. You know, if you hit a bad shot and you're not somewhat displeased with it, you probably shouldn't be on the golf course, right? Uh, yeah. But it's learning how to accept that that feeling is going to come in around the golf, even if it's just yeah. once. If you shoot a 61, you know, best round of your life, uh, you're still probably going to hit one shot that's not perfect. And yeah. so realizing that that's going to happen and not letting it affect your concentration or your confidence in your next shot or the next shot or the rest of the round, you know that's that's what separates the the good from the great.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's it's
0: really interesting having you who has had actual experience say almost the exact same thing as him.
1: Uh, yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, so. You didn't get to play as much as I'm sure you would have wanted in junior golf in 2021, but out of the events you did play, what was your favorite event?
1: Ooh, favorite event, definitely Western AM 2021. It was the end of July. Um, and it was amazing. Like I was so incredibly blessed to be able to play in that event and then to be able to play well. Um, and I didn't. I didn't have any practice going in. I came straight off U.S. Junior. Um, and I played. I played very well. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Excuse me. I didn't feel like I necessarily deserved um, to play well because I hadn't been able to practice in five months. Um, mm-hmm. So it was. I was just extremely blessed. Um, and it showed me that how much they can get fifth in a. 144 amateur strongest amateur field in the country and get fifth simply being confident, um, not knowing what's going to show up, not knowing my game, um, and then working with what I had and being confident as much as I could. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great learning experience and Western golf association does an amazing job with their sweet 16 dinner and with their whole event. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And then I got to caddy from a buddy, Austin greaser when he went to semifinals after I got out in quarterfinals. Um, and that was, that was a blast. So it was a, yeah. it was a event that I will probably never forget.
0: Yeah. So something you brought up within that is practice. And I wasn't originally going to say anything about practice, but I'm kind of interested. So if you look at, you know, your standard golf course, doesn't matter if it's private, public, you can normally tell somebody's skill level roundabout just by seeing how they practice. How do you think the best players in the world, you know, whether it be junior golf, junior collegiate, amateur, how do they practice differently than than others?
1: Um, I think the best players practice unique and specific to them, um, and then the good players practice. How everybody else practices, um, like your average golfer is going to practice how John Rom practices, because John Rom's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. If they really truly want to be great, they're going to say, "All right, I'm going to practice how John Rom practices." Like I need to do whatever John Rom is doing to be great, but they don't know that John Rom has a different brain than them, and a different build than them, yeah, upbringing than them, can spend more hours of playing golf than they can. Um, And um, John Rahm can do things that are different than them, good or bad, simply because he's John Rahm, and they're not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one thing that I've learned from uh, a guy here at UNC named Austin Greaser is he practices how Austin Greaser practices. Um, So he's not going to go out and beat balls – because somebody else is beating balls next to him. He's going to go out and hit exactly how many golf balls he wants to hit, exactly how many putts he wants to hit, and he's going to be confident in the work that he just put in. And that's something that I've um, gotten so much better at. I did a really good job of that in junior golf, um, like kind of in the middle of my career, and then towards the end I didn't get as consistent. um, But um, that's something that I've learned from Austin Greaser is that he – he knows his work, he's confident in his work, and then when the pressure comes, he has a place to fall back on. Um, and that's that's something that I would say is the biggest difference from good players and great players as to how they practice.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that ties into really, you know, yeah, like you said, understanding yourself and mm-hmm. understanding your personality type. You know, I did a podcast episode not too long ago where we used – the Myers-Briggs type, which is a personality test. It's not okay. perfect, but you know, it kind of shows, uh, introversion, extroversion, intuitive or, uh, observant, you know, different yeah. kind of just gives you a- an overall baseline. And I had a friend of mine on here who's actually, you know, like the exact opposite of me. And we kind of talked about some how it diff, how we played golf differently and how we practice differently, but something for me personally, like I'm, I'm super over analytical. Like it's just, yeah. how my brain works. It's a, as much of a uh, benefit as it is a downside. And so yeah. for, for me, kind of like you said with him or with uh, your, your teammate is I've got to outline exactly how I'm going to practice. Otherwise I will hit 50 perfect range balls in a row, one slightly miss it. And then I will proceed to hit another 500 uh, yeah. to fix that one. So it's just, kind of how my brain works but other people uh you know may not think of, about that at all and be almost you know the opposite end where they need to you know hit as many as as they can because as many as they can is is less you know yeah what you think less than what you think um mm-hmm. so uh, yeah that's that's really smart
1: that's sick yeah i think knowing yourself is is definitely a huge a huge part of success
0: yeah so Looking back over your junior career, which um, it was, you know, absolutely incredible. It's something you know people want to model after. Uh, you know, I just they do because it was it was you you had a lot of achievements within it. Um, what is one piece of advice you give to junior golfers? You know, now that you're removed from the situation, you're out of it. You're playing college golf. What what would be not necessarily one piece of advice? You know, kind of your best advice. For people, you know, currently in it, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior,
1: whatever. The biggest thing is, if you want to have a great career, then don't look at my career and see it as a goal or or a place to reach, um, a a thing to reach for. Don't look at my wins. Uh, I won. I don't know. I won a lot in twenty twenty. Um, and I played great golf in 2021. Um, but I never, I I never wanted to win for anybody else. And I never wanted to win an event because somebody else had won it before me. Um, so if you, if somebody goes out, say Caleb Surratt, dude is insane, right? Dude is just, you don't know who Caleb Surratt is. He's amazing. Yes. Um, really good golfer, really good dude. Um, really good friend. And he – I don't know. He's won five times this year. He won the Terracotta, the Bobby Chapman, got second at Junior Jones, one Junior PGA, one Western Junior. It's just – it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But if Caleb Surratt were to go to Rolex, I can't remember what place he got there, but if he were to go to Rolex in 2020 and be like, if I win – if I get second here, then I have more points than David ever did in 2020. And that's a limit that he set for himself um, because something I did. So if you, if someone goes out and wins the first five invitationals of the year and then somebody goes out and is like, okay, I could pass David if I win one more. And then they win one more. And then they're like, what do I do now? So it's like every, every goal that you set, (coughs) excuse me, every goal that you set that's based off, something somebody else did or you're looking around like I want to beat him every goal that you set that's like that what when you actually achieve that then it's like where do I go now like you said or if you if you do then you set a limit for what's past that and I know I kind of went deep into that but that's just kind of how I feel uh it's like when I was after I won junior players I said I they asked me are you focused on amateur events? And I was like, I want to focus on setting records in junior golf rather than setting limits somewhere else. Um, And like, it was something that God gave to me to say those words. Um, But it was, it's something that I think back onto a lot. And I think there's a lot of truth to it is there's no reason to set limits from what somebody else did. Um, And that's something that I, that's kind of a piece of advice that I wish I would have had in 2021.
0: Moving away, you know, from your junior career more to your uh, before we get to your collegiate career, um, I have a lot of people who are um, you know following this podcast regularly listen who have asked about AJGA because while it is overall you know kind of the PGA tour of of junior golf, it's also quite complicated um, yeah. with their you know player status and what comes along with that. Um, so first off, how did you really start with AJGA? You know, how did you get into it? What was your first event?
1: Um, uh, you can, so I played my first event when I was 15 and a half. Um, yeah, exactly 15 and a half. Um, and then you can play your, you're allowed to play your first one when you're 12, I think. Okay. Uh, I played a junior all-star when I was 15 and a half and from the age of 15, and below you can play junior all stars. So I played a junior all star in Georgia um, and got like twenty fifth. I had the shanks that week, but I got like twenty fifth, and um, that's kind of how I got started. And then um, played a few more junior all stars that summer. And my brother won two of them, and then I won the next one. Um, and I think good golf kind of just took care of itself, but AJGA was definitely. I mean, the only reason I was successful. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a lot, something a lot of people, you know, aspire towards. You know, you have your local tour ish, and then you have like your regional tours. And then you have, you know, like AJGA, which is, you know, probably, if it's not the only one, it's one of very few tours, you know, not just one off events that are throughout the entire country. Yeah. Um, so, in your own words, you know cuz this is can be quite confusing you especially when you first look into it you know pbe player based entry performance based yeah. entry i think is yeah. what it's called yeah how, how would you describe it just in your own words
1: okay so based off personal experience which was not as much as some other people um but i so pbe we call them stars I don't know if you still call them stars, but we call them stars, I think. Um, and I had oof, like three stars. No, one star going into my first day JGA. And then I got top half there. So I probably got another star or something. Um, and then I got a star. I got eight stars from two qualifier wins that summer. Um, so I was up to like 17 or something. Or maybe I had. Yeah, I was up to 17. um, And I couldn't get into any opens. Um, This was 2018, so I was 15 uh, in the summer. Mm -hmm. And then turned 16 in September. And I couldn't get into any opens. And the only thing I could get into were Junior All-Stars. And then I got into Junior All-Star Invitational when I won in AJGA. But for me, I stars were kind of important i guess um but once i got 15 of them um and i played well in a junior all-star um if you if you if you have one star for signing up for ajga i think you get a star and you you play in an ajga and you get top half you get another star or you play in a qualifier and you win a qualifier you get eight stars or something um so like ajga makes a path I, I think they do at least at least when I was going through it they did they made the path easy enough for if you play good golf you're not going to be stressed too stressed about stars of course I was stressed when I was younger because 15 year old Gordon Sargent was probably fully exempt two times already when I had one yeah. star and um, so I was I thought I was behind but it all works out works itself out with good golf and AJGA does a good job of of making sure really good players get into, into certain events. Um, so I, I think it, if you don't know what it is, it's you, you play good in events and you get stars and those stars are used to get into more events. Um, and that's how you, you get into AJGA events. Um, so invitationals is invitation only opens or you got to have like, depending on the open fully exempt or, 20 stars or something or five stars. Um, But yeah, it's AJGA does a good job of managing them and they make it. So if you play good golf um, and you get started early enough, then you're going to do, you're going to do well.
0: Yeah. So for you, you, it sounds like you did junior all-star to kind of gain entry. Did you ever know of anybody or uh, I don't think you yourself may have, but you know, the preview events, they do that are, you know, helping you to get stars. Would you recommend those or go straight into qualifiers to build stars or
1: yeah, I think uh I think qualifiers would be a really good way. Just there's one day qualifiers for junior all stars and you win a qualifier, you get stars, and you get into the event if you can't get into the event. Um and even if you're in the event you could still play the qualifier, which is what I did. Um so that's how I, I got some stars and I wasn't too wrapped up in stars and oh my gosh I don't have enough stars um but I never played a preview because the timing didn't work out and I was already 15 okay uh, and the event that I got into was a, a good junior all-star so I was like all right let's do that um but I know previews open have opened doors for a lot of people so if you win a preview at any point in the year um say it was a good strength of field in the in a preview um at any point in the year, and then you get into the junior all-star invitational um, at the end of the year in October, I think if they still do it the same, you might get into the junior all-star invitational, um, which is a really, really good event. Um, And that's, that was my first invitational. Um, It's kind of like just for under the age of 15, but um, yeah, if you can play a preview when you're still young and then get into that, then if you win your preview, um, then you get into that and, That's a that's an amazing way to meet people, um, and then figure out what AJGA's are really about. And I know that was a a good memory of mine. And I didn't play a preview, but I think it's a it's definitely a good stepping stone.
0: Uh, you know, when you're you're playing AJGA for the most part, you're probably traveling. At least you know I am, and I know a lot of people are. You know, I think the closest open qualifier to me is two and a half hours away. So, you know, not necessarily flying, but still somewhat of a a travel. And there are many others that I'm playing that are quite a bit of travel. How do you really, you know, play practice and just stay recovered and stay sharp when you're traveling and playing?
1: Um, I think one thing I think about is when I do the things, um, when I do the things to prepare for everyday golf um or or a tournament um when i'm at home or in temple hill or back at back in atlanta um i want to do them to where i could do them anywhere so if it's if it's a shower ritual can i do that in any shower um in a hotel or whatever it is like putting green stuff if you're on the putting green and there's there's no cups on the putting green where you're going then maybe practice putting without cups um, mm-hmm. where you are. Um, and then like, if you're going to sleep with, if you're going to sleep in a hotel bed, that's not comfortable or you have to share it with your brother, which I had to a few times. Then I, I what I wish I would have done is practice sleeping a week before just on a corner of the bed or, yeah. or a little slipper of the bed. Um, but I think, doing things at home to prepare um in the same way you could do them anywhere so if i could if i could hit golf balls on a range in africa because i have golf balls in my car or um to prepare for a tournament where i'm going and there's barely a range um yeah and and practice that before um practice being easy on the road and and um, getting your body to where it can recover anywhere um, and just being adaptable, then I think it'll really help when it's game time.
0: Yeah. So when you showed up for some of these higher level events in any event in general, you know, what, what was kind of your, and I get it's different for everybody, but generalized, what was your kind of routine in terms of, you know, what did you do on what days leading up to the tournament on putting green range, course, practice rounds, et cetera?
1: Um, I think I kind of just did whatever I felt like I had to. Um, so at Rolex in 2020, that's when I can remember pretty well. Uh, I showed up and hit some golf balls. I think, or I'm not showed sure up. but um, yeah, I showed up and hit some golf balls that morning, uh, the morning of the practice round. Um, and just did a normal warm-up and then played a practice round. And I'm really bad at getting a feel for a golf course, um, which I need to get better at. That's why I've only won at events where I've gone back the second year because um, I know the golf course. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I I usually, when I did in junior golf, I basically just used the practice round as a round where I can assess my game and know my game more, um, not, not figure out the course because – Part of me wants to believe that a golf course is a golf course, but there are some very tough golf courses in college golf. Um, yeah. So um, part of my practice round is assessing my golf game, and I, I know how to do that pretty well by now, so it's not it's not really an issue anymore, or it's not even a thought anymore. And then the, the other part is assessing the golf course, and um, from there after the practice round, it's kind of just – whatever whatever happens happens if it's at rolex my girlfriend was there so i spent a lot of time with her and, and hung out with her and but at, at simplify it was i think there was a snowstorm coming in so in 2021 so i kind of just chilled more and maybe ate ate dinner with some friends but it was kind of just a junior golf was a lot of fun um and it was it's still like that for amateur golf um but AJGA does a good job of having stuff for you to do um, after your round or before your round. And it was kind of just whatever I felt like my game needed is, is what I did. And I tried to have fun because that's the reason why I play golf.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of times, especially Uber competitive athletes, whether it be in golf or anything, really get, get lost in that and forget why they do what they do.
1: Hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, Moving from AJGA, you know, junior golf, we got a good recap of your last year and overall your incredible junior golf career. Got some tips for AJGA. So now collegiate golf, which is kind of the new chapter of golf for you. Um, So you're playing at uh, University of North Carolina. Um, I guess my first question for you is how and why did you decide there?
1: Uh, The coach. uh, My recruiting process was... Uh, I want to say longer than most people because I got right when the rules changed uh, to where I couldn't talk to coaches anymore. Is, mm. is I mm-hmm. it. So I kind of had to wait for what felt like a long time. But eventually, June 15th, 2019 rolled around. And um, I got a call from Andrew DiBetetto, who's the UNC head coach. Um, and it was my last call of the day, I think. And I was on the range and it was dark and I was hitting golf balls. And he called me. And I was still hitting golf ball because I was like, I gotta practice, you know, like I'm not just gonna step aside from mm-hmm. my crap call a coach. Like, that's lame. <laughs> so I kept practicing. Um, and and it was this amazing call, um, like amazing call, first call ever. And I just remembered that call, and my dad was waiting in the parking lot to pick me up, and I was like, nah, I gotta, I gotta keep talking. Um mm-hmm. so we talked for a while, um, but it felt like nothing. It felt like no time at all. And um, it was one of the most memorable calls ever. And then from there, it was kind of just like every time he called me, um, uh, and, and, and Matt Clark too, he's the assistant here. Um, but mainly Deebs, uh, Teddo, every time he called me, it was like, I could, I, it was like, I, I couldn't wait to tell him something or like, I wanted to talk to him. Um, cause he was just a great guy to talk to him. He clicked really well and everything he wanted, I wanted or had, um, and. And I was, it just made me really excited. Um, And then UNC didn't have the track record of Georgia or Georgia Tech for tour players. Um, But I said, screw that. I'm going to UNC. I don't really care about tour players. I'll make it myself if I have to. Um, And
0: Mm
1: kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of a bunch of baloney, you know, like Boston Grease was about to play in the Masters and he didn't, uh, he didn't worry about tour players when he was getting recruited. But Um, that's besides the point. Sorry, I was kind of (laughs) mean, but yeah, Andrew DiVitetto, he does an amazing job of recruiting guys that I love um, and guys that share competitive passion Um, and he's kind of where everything stems from, from the team. Um, But the guys on the team are amazing. And I'm very thankful with the decision I made and um uh, with the guys i have here it's i've grown a lot this uh last semester and this semester um but yeah Andrew deep potato i'd say was was the reason
0: yeah so would would you agree in saying that you know for people who are looking to play college golf and looking at different colleges you know it's just as important to look at the coaches and the team culture as you know their facilities or what the the colleges record is.
1: I think I think it depends on the person. Um for me, I feel like I can practice anywhere. Um so you give me a a field with long grass in it and I can I can get better on that field if I have a, a golf ball. Um but for other people they're gonna want the best for the best. Um and UNC has great facilities. Um but for me it was I wanted to make an impact on a program and I could do that anywhere but I can impact people here more and get impacted by coach D potato and the amazing people around me, um, more than I could anywhere else. Um, so it's bigger than golf for me to just come here. Um, and, but I think it depends if you're someone who wants to play on the PGA tour and just really, really, really wants to go play in the PGA tour and have a great experience at college um, but you know your stuff, and you don't need to do a whole lot of growing, impacting whatever. Um, then somewhere else would be fine. Anywhere would be fine. Um, I think UNC would be great, LSU would be great, anywhere would be great. Um, but if you're like I, I'd say I know my stuff pretty well, my golf game, my life. Um, but I wanted more than just to win a national championship. I wanted to win a national championship with people who I felt were special. Um, So I didn't pick the number one team in the country. When I committed to college, I picked the the lowest ranked out of all the ones I was looking at. Um, And now we're, we're ranked higher than any of the schools I was looking at just because I could see the growth of the people around me. And it's not because of me at all, why we're ranked high. Um, It's, it's the people around me and I had faith in those people and, um, I think it depends on the person, but for me, Carolina was the choice because I wanted to grow and impact, um, other people.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really good reason that probably not as many people have a reason like that as yeah. they should. Uh, so, you know, you've played your, your fall collegiate season. What, what are your initial thoughts on, you know, kind of how college golf is different from
1: junior golf? Um hmm. I think um you're gonna find a lot of people who um know their game a lot better than people in junior golf. And uh I think the competition's harder, um, but relative to junior golf, I think I had it easy in junior golf because I had success. Um and I I had to put in a lot of work for that success, but I think I was still blessed with having an, an easy path, uh, an easier path than some.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: which, yeah, I was very fortunate to have that. Um, but I think college golf, I plan on having an easy path in college golf as well. Um, easier said than done. There's a lot mm-hmm. of resistance with guys like um, Cole Hammer and and guys like that who are just unreal, um, and Austin Greaser. Um, but those are just examples. Um, but I think overall college golf is not too much tougher than junior golf. Um, if you know your stuff and I found it hasn't been a tough transition. Um, like I played Western AM and played well there and that was the, um, the best field I've ever played. Um, and then I've, I played well at Olympia fields, which was a really good field. Um, and I found that if you know your game and you're confident in your game, um, like Austin Greaser is, he's extremely confident in who he is as a player. And he's playing in the Masters. And I see no reason why he can't win the Masters um, just because he knows his game. So it's like anywhere you go in junior golf, college golf, amateur golf, pro golf, if you know your game, then, then no mountain is too tall to win, you know?
0: So another you know kind of thing that comes along with college golf that you know is kind of a little bit different from high school and I guess it does depend on on the school you go to but managing your your education with your golf practice and tournaments uh I know you're only one semester in so you don't have maybe not a full picture yet but how is balancing you know your classes with golf how 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 do you go about doing that
1: um I think knowing as much as you can about your schoolwork and when it's due um, is a huge part of, of playing good golf and making sure those two don't get uh, crossed up and make sure you're always on top of it. Um, I think I didn't do a perfect job of that last semester, um, but I had easy classes, so I did a good enough job um, and got a good GPA and um, I definitely have a lot of, had a lot of learning to do, but I think for me, it was learning how to stay on top of stuff, um, and doing it when you don't want to do it. Schoolwork that is. And sometimes having school come before golf because it is college and it's, you can get, it, it's, it's easier to get behind, um, than it is in high school and you don't want the work to pile up. So it's, it's definitely a learning that learning that uh, school is sometimes more important than anything else. And doing it when you don't feel like it is, is two things that I've found will never get you in any sort of trouble academically or golf.
0: Yeah. I had a corn fairy tour player on the podcast last year who, uh, a, a, a pre-med student. And golf. he, <laughs> he talked about, he would, um, you know, study, a in the golf their their golf facility and he would study for an hour and a half hit balls for 30 minutes and study for an hour and a half and do that from 8 p.m to 3 in the morning and then have classes at 8 or 9 uh yeah so it, i i think part of it depends on the college you go to in your major but i think overall regardless of what you choose it's got to be at least somewhat of an adjustment
1: yeah i think yeah it's my major is easy um it's communications but yeah. I know people who have harder classes and I have chosen not to take harder classes because golf is extremely important to me and I want to, I want to keep it that way. So, but I know that dude's schedule must've been crazy with sleep and I could, I could never desire to do that.
0: Yeah. I I, I don't, I'm not sure how he did it.
1: Yeah, um, that's incredible. So, what is
0: something, you know, going into something new, there's always probably something that happens that you didn't necessarily expect. Did you have anything in, in college golf that happened or is different that you really didn't anticipate?
1: Um, yeah, I think one thing I didn't anticipate is having to set goals. Um, Cause I never set any goals in, in junior golf. It was kind of just go and go and, and win. And work hard, and then try to win. And um, it was always like that, and it was always just this amazing flow. Um, but it got a little bit harder when when I had some resistance to it, um, and when I was in the final group at at Olympia Fields. Um, it was a really good college event. I was in the final group there, and I shot seventy five five over and got 10th and it was like, I had this opportunity to win the best event, the best event of the fall in college golf, the strongest field all year, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I didn't have a goal. I didn't have a driving force to, to win that event. I, I I wanted to win that event, but that wasn't enough. You know, like I want to win that event. Okay. That's cool. Like why? And like, I needed a goal for the first time ever, I needed something pushing me to what to win an event more. Um, just because my injury was tough and and it brought my mind off of golf a little bit. So I I'm the only mistake I made last semester golf wise. The only two were self belief and not making not giving myself goals. Um, and I'm going to set goals right after this call. Um, and it's something that I didn't expect to have to do. Um, but it's something I'm really looking forward to. And it was great to learn that in the fall.
0: Yeah. So goals are something for me that I absolutely love. And again, it goes back to my, I'm super analytical, super data. So, um, I, I absolutely love goals. I love setting goals and creating a strategic plan to achieve them. But, you know, you brought up kind of goals, you know, per event and even maybe per round, you know, breaking it down just to, uh, a small goal whether it be, you know, performance or process based, I think that's a that'd be a good practice for everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot.
0: So in the courses you play and the course setups you play in college golf, are they significantly harder than uh, you know, your higher level junior events?
1: Yes. Extremely. And they're a lot more difficult. Um but I I played some really tough courses. Duke was not hard. Olympia Fields was extremely hard. I got 10th and shot one over for three rounds. Um, I was four under going into, I shot two under in my, in each of my first two rounds. So I was four under total, tied for the lead. And I didn't miss a shot. I missed putts, but I did not miss a shot. I missed one fairway um, through 36 holes. Wow. And I, I didn't putt great, but, I was hitting it amazing and I was like, how am I four under? And then I played blessings the tournament after that um, and played terrible, but that course was very tough. And I think it's, it's amazing to, to play hard courses. And it's, it's something that is, I think that's why people shouldn't skip college golf um, because hard courses are something you'll find in us opens and PGA tours and, um, it's why people that play strong college, strong college fields, um, and go to a university where they play strong college fields, um, and in hard courses, is is why people succeed in U.S. Opens. Um, like Brooks Koepka went to Florida State, and he plays great on hard, hard golf courses, and that's that's a lot of mental toughness. But um, a, a lot, some could be said about him playing a good schedule in college every year and playing hard courses. And um, I think the golf courses have definitely been tougher and it's been amazing to play tougher golf courses.
0: Yeah. It's got to be fun being able to play, you know, it's, they're not PGA tour style courses, but you know, they're, they're a step closer uh, in terms of difficulty. Yeah. Uh, So I know you just said you haven't fully set your spring goals yet and you were just about to, but what are some of those kind of goals you're going to set for for your spring season
1: i haven't i haven't thought about it too much um i have this notebook that my girlfriend got me that's amazing um and it it lays out goals for every week and priorities for every week um and things you want to do for health and fitness or relationships or or anything um and it has all these categories and it's amazing for week by week but i haven't actually looked at the prompts for uh for like the year goals. Um, um, but I think one thing that's that I want to do is win four Hoskins awards, um, which is the best collegiate player, um, in the country every right. year is awarded that. Um, and that's something that, um, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to incorporate that. We'll see where my brain goes um, and where my heart goes, but I think, uh, the biggest thing I'm going to have is Haskins award four times Haskins award, because, um, yeah, there's nothing bigger than that. There's no bigger driving force than that. Um, and that's kind of what I want.
0: That would be insane.
1: Well, if it's any lower than it's a limit, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: It's
0: a good way to think about it. Yeah. So what, I guess my last question really pertaining to college golf is, what can high schoolers who have signed to play college golf, committed to play college golf, what can they do in the meantime to kind of prepare themselves? Ooh. Hmm.
1: That's a good question. That's a very good question. Hmm. Based off personal experience, I think knowing your golf game is, is a huge thing because you're going to get to college. I know I've talked about it a lot, but it's, it's very true when you get to college and you're on a team with 11 guys, 10 guys, whatever, 12 guys. And um, you are around all these other good players who are in a very similar position than you are, to you are, or than, uh that you're in. And um, you're looking around like these guys are in the same position I'm in. And uh, I want to have a, Similar career as this guy, or I want to have, I want to be more successful than this guy, or I don't want to do what this guy's doing. And it's easy to look around and be like, "This guy's had success. I'm gonna, I want to, I want to do that. Um, I want to have his golf game." And it's easy to degrade yourself if you're on a really good team, um, and to look around and be like, "This guy's short game is amazing," and to forget that your short game is amazing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's an expectation that if you're on a college golf team um, it's something that you, I never would have expected myself to look around at at four really four of the best players in the country and start thinking about their games and how it's better than mine. Um, But the players at UNC, these guys that I'm with are so incredibly good that I was, I found myself halfway through the semester looking at their short games and being like, why can't I chip it like that, dude? Um, But that's something that you got to know your own game and, and you gotta, you gotta stick to your stuff more than anybody else's stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, in two and a half, three years, I look to follow that advice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Some of it can be taken, you know, regardless of if you've signed or not, but yeah. Yeah.
1: um, in junior golf looking around at at an invitational looking around at the best player in the world Caleb Sarat, Nick Dunlap um and you're like I want to be like that guy and yeah maybe you do but you can chip it better than Nick Dunlap if you set your mind to it. you know
0: yep oh it's it's all about mindset and self-confidence I mean it, it really is yeah so I guess my final question which I wasn't planning on asking but the way the conversation goes has gone Cause I want to be the first question to ask. the first, one of the first people to ask it on a What's, podcast or wherever is, uh, are you planning to play professional golf? Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, college, yes. Well, I'll
0: definitely be needing some uh, inside the ropes passes at that point.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love doing podcasts with you and it's my second one. So I could sit here and talk all night and
0: oh, I could too.
1: I encourage anybody. Anybody who's listening, if you have a podcast or want to start a podcast, hit me up if if you want to hear from me. You might be like, this dude's an idiot. Like, this dude's <laughs> really talking in Spanish.
0: I I um, highly funny. doubt that. But.
1: but if you want to, if anybody or Carter, if you ever want to talk, then hit me up because I love talking about golf um, or life and the questions you ask are amazing. So I really appreciate you having me on again
0: well thank you and thank you for joining me thank you for you know sharing your experiences and uh wonderful expertise uh, good where well first off where can people find you on social media
1: uh david ford golf on instagram i think that's about it
0: awesome go check him out and um good luck in your spring season